Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. This is the Monday edition coming up on today's program. A look at some headlines from over the weekend and uh, to start this week out as well. Also, look at what's going on at thetrumpet.com and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. We have uh, two keys, important keys, to give you about uh, how to be healthy. And it involves what you put in your mouth and what you don't. That and more is coming up on this Monday edition of Trumpet Radio Live here on 101.3 KPCG. Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on this Monday edition on 101.3 KPCG. And we're online to kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcgfm. And uh, any emails you'd like to send, you can send those to comments at kpcg.fm. Maybe you want to tell us who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. That's always uh, interesting this time of year. Yeah, over the weekend, of course. Uh, in terms of, uh, I guess, entertainment, there was uh, the some football games, NFL games, and uh, pretty exciting ones at that. And yesterday, there was, uh, if anybody watched the uh, Vikings and the Saints game, it was uh, one of the wildest endings people will remember. And uh, Saints safety Marcus Williams will go down in playoff infamy, unfortunately, after he missed a tackle on a guy, on uh, Stefan Diggs, and uh, the Vikings uh, won the game. So it was exciting. If you're a Vikings fan, it was exciting. If you're a Saints fan, it was sad. Yeah, that was just a a jaw-dropping game. I sat there stunned for probably three minutes just by myself. (laughs) I didn't say anything. And then finally I just said, unbelievable, after it finally set in what had just happened. But, I mean, the receiver goes up really high makes an awesome catch and the safety he just got there too early and was afraid of committing pass interference so it's like he kind of ducked to the side at the last second went flying right past him instead of the receiver jumping out of bounds like he thought he would to stop the clock he just makes this really quick pivot goes right up the sideline and scores as time expires I mean just uh, yeah you're right you never see something like that happen very rare uh, but that's what some commentators said was they thought he was trying to avoid a penalty. And um, probably that's probably what happened. But I watched it in real time. I thought, was that on purpose? Like, did he just miss? Because he missed him so badly. And then uh, and then he actually knocked out his other defender that could have maybe made a tackle. And so I, I always like to see the comments people have about those things. <laughs> <laughs> and people were talking about uh, it was, you know, uh, somebody said it was more rigged than a 1950s boxing match. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm not familiar with 1950s boxing, but anyway, uh, it was one of those one of those really head scratching moments because uh, when you watch, you know, professional athletes, they're at the top of their game and they're very good and they're very skilled, and to just make a really random mistake, uh, it, it does really stand out. Yeah, I feel really bad for the guy because he got there just a split second early and he was going full speed and was about to hit the guy before the ball had even got there, and so I think he was worried about committing a penalty that puts the other team in field goal range and so instead he went off to the side I mean the throw was really high too so he probably thought there was a good chance of it just sailing out of bounds so as long as he didn't commit a penalty 
that his team wins the game. I mean, it's just a tough situation. And the guy who was guarding that receiver obviously didn't do a good job because he let the receiver get to the sideline where he could have stopped the clock anyway. Uh, mainly, I would blame whoever that defensive back was and not the safety who had to try to clean up the mess. It's hard when you uh, put a lot of effort into something and then your mistake costs the team at the end. And, well, you know, they're all supportive and say, well, you know, it's a team game, but but still everyone knows you made the mistake. A couple of years ago, uh, or it was more than that, I guess, but the, the Packers were in the NFC Championship game against the Seattle Seahawks and looked like they were going to win. And mm-hmm. anyway, Seattle came back. And, um, but there's a player in the Packers team that botched the uh, onside kick, it, like hit him in the helmet or something. <laughs> well, he just jump up, and I I remember watching it like just grab the ball, and he just <laughs> it missed it, and it hit him in the helmet. And uh, I was there were some people were hearkening back to that, and they said that that guy was cut the next day from the team, right? Yeah. And the special yeah. teams coordinator for the team was fired, I believe. So like the next day, the two guys involved in that game changing play were fired. I mean, it's not a good omen for Marcus Williams, but. I mean, Marcus Williams, he, that's his rookie he's year, rookie, wasn't it? And yeah. he started, I think it was 17 games, so he actually contributed a lot to the team. It's just a horrible way to end your season. Yeah, yeah too bad. Feel bad for the guy. But anyway, it was kind of kind of exciting, I guess, in sports. And I don't know, maybe that'll be good for the NFL. It'll get people more interested again because they've had some uh, down ratings this year. And uh, and the Super Bowl is going to be there in Minnesota. So mm-hmm. has that ever happened before? Has a, has a Super Bowl ever had a home team? No, never no. once. It, either the team is not even good enough to make the playoffs or they have like a really uh, discouraging letdown type of loss before the Super Bowl happens. But I don't even think a team has made it to the Super Bowl in their home stadium, much less uh, won it. Yeah. So, of course, they're not there yet. But, but that would be I, – I think that would be kind of neat to be in your home home stadium. So, uh, But anyhow, pretty uh, interesting. And they showed on the game also outside of the stadium. It's an indoor stadium outside, all the snow and ice and everything. And – I was sad. I thought, why don't you guys play outside? It would be fun <laughs> with the snow and the ice and all the cold. That makes it more exciting to me. But anyway, kind of an interesting game there. One of the big stories over the weekend was Hawaii thought they were going to be obliterated for about 38 minutes. You've seen this, I'm sure. They're, they sent out a uh, a uh, missile alert, <laughs> and it said, you know, this is not a drill, ballistic missile, missile incoming, take cover. And for 38 minutes, people were crying, screaming, uh, children being placed in storm drains, trying to flee this uh, this missile. Uh, some of the headlines are, the worker who sent out the Hawaii missile alert is reassigned. I would think so. Thin line between mishap and nuclear war. Uh, pushed the wrong button. 38 minutes of terror. Uh, FCC is launching full inquiry. Mistake feeds doubts about real emergency. I thought about that too. You know, now next, next, let's say there has to be a real one at some point. Do people take it seriously? Uh, and then the, they have a story about some of the reporters there, and it was really quite a nightmare. I, you put yourself in that position, roughly thirty-eight minutes, and you think a missile's coming, a ballistic missile, uh, obviously with a nuclear warhead probably on it, and I mean that's that's that. I, I guess. And they had some write-ups about, okay, well, what would happen if a missile was actually coming? And the, the only hope would be that it could get shot out, shot down by by the U.S. Um, in, some, in some fashion. So maybe if people had a place to go, they'd go there. You know, I was thinking about it for myself. Not that I sit up worrying about this because <laughs> the Bible's pretty clear about how things are going to uh, happen here. But uh, still, you know, you think, well, you just go on about your day and you get a warning like that. Like, what would you do? You'd, you'd just probably sit there. 
there's nothing else you could do. Related to that, though, uh, there's a story today from uh, the Daily Mail. It says non-believers call on God when faced with a crisis, despite insisting they're not religious. So that's what everybody <laughs> would do. You're religious or not, people would be praying. Well, there you go. I think that probably settles the issue. If you're so sure that there's no creator, you wouldn't even turn to that possibility. Uh, that that pretty much proves that any atheist or agnostic uh, in the back of his mind knows that there's there's something more out there. You have to really be purposefully ignorant to not know that. Right. That's, you know, it's easy to kind of go about your business, but then when you, you have nowhere else to turn, where do you turn? Well, people pray. <laughs> that that seems pretty common. So they had some, they say one in four atheists or agnostics admit that they would uh, resort to prayer when personal crisis strikes. And I would think the other three and four also would. They just don't admit it because they're not in the middle of it right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's just going to sit there and be like, oh, well, you know, of course <laughs> you're going to, you, you, what are you going to do? You're going to have to pray about it. But, but it, it I don't know. It does, the the thing in Hawaii over the weekend, um, it does highlight the world we live in. I mean, it could happen. They somebody could launch a ballistic missile, and then what do you do? Well, yeah, people were worried about it. I yeah. mean, there is a, a realistic possibility that a nation like North Korea would try something like that. It's yet to be determined if they could actually reach. We've heard stories that possibly their weapons could get that far, but even still, I mean, it's they've said they want to. Why wouldn't they do it? if they got the chance, if they had the capabilities. I even saw some people <laughs> blaming the president for that. I mean, isn't that isn't that crazy how you have one guy forget to triple check before he sends out this fraudulent alert, and somehow that's the president's fault? Yeah. Did they give any insight into why they thought that was the case? Just, just because, I guess, we have tensions with North Korea, and they blame those on the president, which, I mean, at least that's a little bit more realistic than blaming a, f- a faulty missile alert on him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like we've had good relations with those nations before. No. So, but uh, anyway, so quite quite a drama there in, in Hawaii. Um, I, I didn't read too much about the specifics. I don't know if there were injuries or anything, you know, in the panic. I haven't heard too much about that. But I was just thinking about, like, here in Oklahoma where we have a tornado coming mm-hmm. or something. Sometimes people get injured in the panic. They're trying to get out of a building, get to safety or something like that, and you have more injuries because of the panic than the actual storm. So something like this, you could see people kind of, kind of, uh, I don't know, just losing it. 38 minutes is a long time to sit there and think about something like that. Yeah, and then you would think that uh, if you're in the heat of the moment like that, you would think that, well, maybe we could just start driving away as fast as possible. But if everyone is trying to do that same thing, obviously there's going to be a lot of crashes on the highways or whatnot, and... Uh, that's just one example of how dangerous something like that could be, even though realistically you're not going to be able to get too far in that short of amount of time. Yeah, it'd be interesting if, you know, some people do have uh, bomb shelters, if they're survivalists, I guess, and they've got enough money for that. Uh, and I do wonder if what would happen, you know, if somebody got a false alert, went down in there, you know, shut the door, and then if they, let's say, didn't have, you know, connectivity to their cell phone or something, like he. Maybe you'd still be in there. Like, how would you know? I'm sure they had to have some sort of, like, radio or something so they would know what was going on. Hopefully. But, but if you didn't, I mean, you could literally just 
be in there thinking the world had ended and you're down in your basement. Yeah, with your stockpile of food. Canned goods. <laughs> just just down there for several weeks at least before you even dare to peek out. Yeah, come out. Uh, yeah, have somebody go out and uh, take a look around and they'd come back and say it's worse than we imagined. <laughs> <laughs> Not realizing that nothing had happened. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what your excuse would be when you tried to return to work or school yeah. and you're like, well, I was convinced we were going to die. I didn't know I had to alert people that I wouldn't be showing up. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> Got my job back. Yeah. So anyway, quite an interesting thing there. On uh, That was on Saturday that happened. Here is an interesting write-up from the Associated Press. Uh, Trust in news media takes a hit during the uh, Trump presidency. And it's kind of interesting. A lot of people are really um, kind of uh, searching to find out where are you going to find the truth of the matter. Uh, for whatever the issue might be. It gives a few examples here. It says, when truck driver Chris Gromack wants to know what's really going on in Washington, he scans the Internet and satellite radio. He no longer flips TV channels because networks such as Fox News and MSNBC deliver conflicting accounts tainted by politics, he says. He says, where's the truth? He just doesn't know. He's a 47-year-old resident of North Carolina. Great question. That's a great question to ask. Where is the truth? Well, uh, it's not it's not in the mainstream media, that's for sure. Um, they they've been so venomous that sometimes, like you just you just think that there's there's got to be a, a spirit force at work there. I mean, it's just it's so much anger that you don't think it could come from a rational person. Um, it's it is alarming to see that sometimes. I think that uh, a lot of people sh- would probably be sort of upset, and and I think they are. When you look at some of these media outlets and you know they're not telling you the truth, you know, I don't, that's, that's pretty insulting. That's pretty offensive. Just tell the truth of the matter, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what people are looking for. Good time to plug the com. You could go there for the truth, but <laughs> people are looking and, I, and they are coming there for that uh, non-biased reporting. Answering that question, they say, of where is the truth uh, accurately is a cornerstone of any functioning democracy. Key word, key phrase being functioning democracy, <laughs> I guess, uh, according to uh, none other than uh, Thomas Jefferson. But a year into Donald Trump's uh, presidency, Americans are increasingly confused about who can be trusted to tell them reliably what their government and their commander in chief are doing. I did a little editing there when I was reading that. I skipped over the part where the AP accuses a president of fact bending and media bashing. Ugh. It's not his fault. I mean, he's. Uh, I think he's he's playing the game, you know, to win, which means he has to get out in front of a lot of this stuff. But uh, the media has been been uh, not telling the truth for some time, at least a lot of them. And you can go back to the last eight years before this president, and boy, they told all kinds of lies, and then admitted they told lies, and then bragged about it, and then wrote stories about the lies they told. Um, so it is it is something that uh, even in this write up, which I think is a good one in the sense that it's it's examining the fact that people aren't trusting the media sources anymore, but even there, they're still blaming the president for it because this is the media that's reporting on it. Yeah. I mean, the last administration even went so far as to go on outlets like CBS and then say that their administration had no scandals the entire time. So they, they have flaunted it. They have bragged about it. Then it comes to this administration and, uh, there's a Trump Russia supposed scandal where there hasn't been a shred of evidence that there was collusion, Um, They're now holding debates on these major networks about whether the president is a racist when, quite frankly, that doesn't matter because of all the checks and balances in place. 
he couldn't enact policies and legislation that would uh, hurt minorities unless you had like hundreds of other people in line with that way of thinking in all the other branches of government to make that happen. So why are they wasting time having a debate about that when really it doesn't matter? Yeah, and it's just getting people to think about uh, you know racism and all those things uh, quite a bit, and it's causing more and more division. They said that uh, in this write-up says interviews across this polarized country, as well as polling from Trump's first year, suggest people seek out various outlets of information, including a president's Twitter account, but uh, nobody's really trusting uh, anything. <laughs> Many say that uh, the practice is new, the Trump-era phenomenon in their lives as the president and the media, um, as he calls them out as fake news. So that's that's maybe a little different, I guess, to some extent. I guess we haven't had a president be quite that bold as to brand the media fake, but that's what a lot of it is. Uh, Democrat Kathy Tibbetts of uh, Oklahoma, right here in this area, uh, reads lots of news sources as she tries to assess the accuracy of what Trump is reported to have said. She said, I kind of think the whole frontier has changed. She's a 60-year-old uh, lawyer. She says, my degree is in political science, and they never gave us a class on such fiasco politics. So she, she learned a lot about politics, and uh, but never, like, how do you deal with this, where everyone's attacking everyone constantly? <laughs> well, that's, that's what it has uh, descended into, just a volley of personal attacks from either side, and uh, the media is pushing most of that. I mean, how divided would the country truly be uh, if the media didn't have a gigantic part in that i mean sometimes you're watching it and like i'll be saying out out loud like you're smarter than that like these media members know better than to be putting out stories about the president being racist i mean you could you could read what he says it's in obviously plain english he doesn't he doesn't use the biggest words it's clearly not about race whatever he's saying and yet they make it about race every single time these are very educated people they know better than that but they're just all about destroying the president, stirring up as much emotion as possible. Yeah, I saw a headline today. Well, <clears throat> they, some, some, I guess, Democrats are calling for impeachment because of name-calling. Can you be impeached for calling somebody a name? And the, even that's alleged. Like that we don't exactly know what was said in some of those cases. <laughs> I mean, if that's if you could be impeached for that, I mean, well, who? Good luck. I don't think anybody could stay in office. It was funny because the people calling for impeachment for name calling are calling names while they're calling for the impeachment. So it's this mm -hmm. weird sort of uh, they're doing the same thing that they're accusing somebody else of doing. <laughs> and then I also saw that some some aren't going to attend the president's first uh, State of the Union. They're going to protest it. And I thought back to when uh, President Obama was in there and that one guy yelled out, you lie, which, in fact, he was lying at the time. Right. Uh, and then people were outraged. You can't treat the president that way. And so it was forth. racist, wasn't it? Yeah, it was racist of him to but say that. Now they're not even going to attend. <laughs> so I, I'm like, well, OK, that seems like that's neither one of those seems very good to me. No, I mean, you, you don't have to agree with the person in the office, but it is about the office. And perhaps some of the problem is that um, people who are more conservative weren't respectful enough of Barack Obama while he was the president. There are plenty of uh, examples of them them using crude language about him or and it's not like the politicians necessarily were doing it, but if if people disagree with the president and they're going to disrespect him, it's hard to then turn around and respect uh, expect respect for your preferred candidate or your preferred president. Uh, and that goes really goes both ways. Um, it has gotten to the point where we throw about childish insults at 
uh, whichever party controls the country at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If if you don't hold up the dignity of the office, even when it's not your preferred person in there, how can you ask the other side to hold up the dignity of the office when your guy's in there or a lady or whoever? Well, I mean, just think about the way that it's covered at thetrumpet.com. There were a lot of legitimate uh, disagreements with things that Barack Obama did that were brought out at thetrumpet.com, but it was focused entirely on uh, policy, uh, whether domestically or foreign. And now, if there are disagreements with President Trump, and there's plenty of them on thetrumpet.com, it's about policies, domestic or foreign. This uh, AP write-up has this lady, Victoria Steele. She's uh, 50 years old of Cheyenne, Wyoming, and she says it's important for people to invest. I think this is a great point. She says it's important for people to invest time in finding reputable media sources or even friends to get the most information they can. Uh, and so th- and I think that's kind of the, the point of the article uh, on some level, which I think is a good point. Um, where is the truth? Who's telling the truth? And then if you want to find it, you're going to have to invest some time in doing that. And, and so, of course, obviously we're going to talk about the trumpet.com and some of those resources um, because you can find the truth there. And again, like you mentioned, it, it's talking about uh, policy. It's talking about uh, the landscape of the uh, world in terms of uh, the shifting, uh, uh, you know, roles of different nations, and it's all based on Bible prophecy. So that's something that, again, people are looking for the truth, and so hopefully they'll, as they investigate a little more, they will start coming more and more to the trumpet. There is no slander on the trumpet. There are are no uh, name-calling hit pieces. It's just all about uh, prophetic events. I mean, America is covered on that website because it is a prophetically significant nation. Otherwise, we wouldn't even have any stories about it, despite how uh, much of the attention our president draws from the media. If we weren't a prophetically significant nation, we wouldn't even be covering that on the trumpet.com. Yeah, but it does, like you say, tie in very much. Uh, one last quote from this article here. This is uh, from Trent Lott, a former Senate Republican leader from Mississippi. He said, I think part of the problem today is that people are getting too much information and it confuses them and they don't know how to decipher the true and the fake. And I think that's true. Uh, we've talked about that and it's been a, a lot of people have talked about it, but uh, there's so much information coming at people all of the time that uh, it's almost like sensory overload. And then it's hard to determine what's what's real and what's not. And because people are looking to get the audience's attention, whether it be to click on a website or to look at a television station, loud, brash, bold, sound bites, headlines, you know, very uh, inflammatory to grab your attention. But within all of that, where is the truth? Or, or is there any truth to it? Or is it just sensationalism? Yeah, and hyperbole is everywhere. I mean, how many times have we heard President Trump compared to Hitler or a fascist or something like that? I mean, those those are not things that are helpful. Um, you don't learn anything by hearing people spit those names out. It's just someone's opinion. And why, why should you care so much about a person's opinion? What's the truth on the matter? Uh, what are the important things to be talking about? Uh, it's not about who has the most flamboyant speech. And when you get the sense that truth is hard to come by, you really start to crave it. You really want to know the truth of something. And for a while, it might be um, exciting to hear the, the wild, you know, talking or speculation. But, but at some point, you do want the truth. And uh, that is, again, it is harder to come by. So make sure uh, you do stop and check out the trumpet.com top story day in the trumpet. 
and this is a good example of truth sometimes not being popular, uh, transgender indoctrination rising. That's the top story today uh, by writer Dennis Sleep. He said, parents, be aware of transgender indoctrination. Uh, he says, any parent who refuses to recognize that there is a movement to indoctrinate young, all young children to accept transgenderism is not facing the evidence. The facts show the transgender movement is rapidly growing in acceptance and influence. For parents with elementary age children, <laughs> you think about teaching um, kids that young some of these things, which is it's amazing. He says, uh, for elementary age children, it is already knocking at your child's door and you may not even know it. Might be uh, taught at some schools and such. He said, you should be alarmed, aware, and ready to take action to protect your child. Here are shocking news items for you to consider. So then he lists quite a few. So you need to really look at that and uh, be aware of what's being taught out there uh, as a related write-up, redefining family. But what's interesting about that is uh, uh, the it's, it's being um, talked about from the true perspective of this is a movement that's not good. But you don't even find that in a lot of places because the first thing people will say is, well, uh, who, you know, who are you to say it's not good? Well, th- what about the Bible, though? That's the question. What does God say about this issue? Does he say anything about it? In fact, he does. And so um, you're not going to find things like this too, too many places, but you'll find the truth about it at thetrumpet.com. Most people might consider that type of article an opinion piece, but really it's not. The analysis is coming straight from what the Bible says about it. And that's right. There is a good and there is an evil. There is a right and there is a wrong. Um, You can't blend those things. You can't uh, say one day that something was good, but then the next day it's evil. It doesn't change. Uh, And and this thing with trying to like float in between the genders or blend them somehow or confuse people about what their gender is, it's not a good thing. Uh, the, The Bible says that. Who are we to say? Nobody, but we're just parroting what God is saying, and there's a lot of authority there. Yeah, and it's a major it's a major concern, and I think uh, certainly when when people send their children to school, you expect them to learn uh, reading, writing, arithmetic, right? <laughs> uh, but some of the the social stuff that's uh, those are things that uh, they're, they're taking in a lot of cases the power away from the parents to bring your children up in a way that that you see as correct and uh, hopefully biblically based, Uh, but they're taking on that prerogative and they want to teach the children, you know, it wasn't that long ago where they didn't really get into anything of even, even basic say sex education was not until later. You didn't start talking about that in elementary school. Mm -hmm. I would have, I remember, you know, on the news or I don't even remember if it happened in my school, but I remember in the news, there being stories of parents being concerned that, Hey, what are you teaching? And they, they seem a little young and, getting into some things that maybe the parents didn't agree with. That's always some a point of contention. But now it seems like the floodgates have opened and they're teaching some really out there uh, ideologies. It, it has gotten progressively worse in schools because, like you said, sex education started out where you were teaching that to maybe like 7th, 8th high school level kids, and th- but then it started getting younger and younger. Uh, now they're indoctrinating children about transgenderism, homosexuality, all kinds, all ki- kinds of uh, perverted sex acts as well. Um, it was too far to even have the school take a week out of its time to teach the kids about that because that is the parents' responsibility. But we've gone several levels past that now to where it's not just teaching teenagers; it's teaching you know kindergartners, first and second graders, and 
it's teaching them all kinds of perverted leftist ideology too. And there's something about children that uh, I don't think this is a secret. Uh, <clears throat> they will believe you <laughs> if you tell them something. Most kids believe what you say. <laughs> and so uh, the teachers have a responsibility, and certainly the parents do, to teach them the truth. Uh, because I didn't I didn't plan for today to be this big theme on truth, but it seems like it's kind of <laughs> going that way. Because, again, the the kids are being taught lies, lots and lots of lies. Things that just are not true, but they will accept it. They will believe it in most cases. You're not going to find too many young people, you know, grade school, elementary age that are going to say, I don't agree with that, unless their parents have taught them at home. But then again, you have kids coming to schools that have broken homes, and they probably haven't learned much of anything. So anyway, it's uh, it's really a changing landscape. It is amazing how much the educational system and just society has changed in the last 30 years. It's, I mean, it is it is astounding. That's right, and, and it is really sad that uh, we have leftist educators especially preying on the innocence of these children um, who, like you said, they don't know how to make these life-changing decisions at such a young age. They don't even really know that those decisions are out there to be made, much less know what the right decision is. I mean, that's just unspeakably evil to change someone's, change a child's mind on something that important. And they're not just changing the mind, they're, they're doing it in a bad way. They're corrupting their minds to believe that immorality is fine. Yeah, it's really, really uh, sad to hear that. That's a really good write-up today at thetrumpet.com, transgender indoctrination arising. So uh, it's, it's just amazing, some of those things. Also, as mentioned before, um, <clears throat> Redefining Family, really important uh, booklet there at thetrumpet.com because things have changed so much. And even that book, uh, it's a great booklet to read, um, but even from when it was written, which I, I think off the top of my head was about 10 years ago or so, everything is, well, not everything, but a lot of things have changed. Like everything it's talking about, all the trends, it's gone even further. So I think... That's another reason why it's really interesting to read that booklet because you can see how much further it's gone in that, that span of time. You know, where are we going to be in another five, ten years? <laughs> you know, you, you shudder to think. It is horrifi- horrifying to try to envision um, a future where we keep going down this path. Uh, it, it just can't last much longer because our whole society has just become unmoored from truth. There's no right and wrong anymore. It's just whatever people feel, uh, whatever is you know, the, the hot issue of the day before we move on to some other issue to try to fundamentally change that one. There was even a joke on Saturday Night Live over the weekend about like, um, you know, these Confederate monuments aren't being taken down because it's not what we care about this week. Mm. I mean, that, that really does hit home because that's why uh, that's why they're not being taken down. That's why all these things uh, go in and out of the news so quickly. It's just what people get emotional about. They get stirred up about it for a week or two, then they go on to their next pet project, and it really the whole thing is a movement of tearing down the greatest nation ever, uh, tearing down the fundamental moral beliefs that we've always had, and trying to get rid of our history as well. Yeah, lots of changes. Also, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today with your host Stephen Flurry. Make sure you listen for that. He uh, brings out a really interesting point here that obviously the U.S. media um, does not like President Trump, to say the least. <laughs> You should check out the German media. But here's the here's the thing. The German media isn't just against President Trump. They hate the U.S. And I think that's where a lot of the, maybe say the media elites or whatever, if you want to call them that, in the U.S. are, again, not dealing in reality. They kind of feel like the global community is on their side and they can bash their president. <laughs> Germany doesn't like the U.S., including the reporters. 
So you might think you guys are all in it together, but Germany does not like the U.S. Iran does not like the U.S. These other nations don't like the U.S. And then they're they're happy to go after the the lightning rod at the top, but everybody else is also uh, very much disliked, and uh, Germany feels very strongly about them. Well, that's like what I mentioned last week about the Ayatollah, I believe it was, agreeing with our media's coverage about the president being mentally unstable. Anytime you have a leader like that agreeing with our our media's coverage, it's not a good sign for our media's coverage. It's not it's not showing that they are giving an unbiased report. Uh, it, it's actually exposing that a lot of those people might even just hate America, and some of them know it, some of them don't. But to to have reports that the Ayatollah agrees with, or to have reports that uh, the Germans agree with, when a lot of them are still mad about the way that we beat them in two world wars. Uh, that history is still there and it's more fresh in their minds than it is in ours. We think that, that they're past it because we won those wars and there's still a lot of bitterness in Germany about those things. Yeah. So it's a really great program today and something to, to, to really listen to. It's the Trump daily radio show with your host, Stephen flurry. Also uh, just the best literature, a new program today. And if you missed Watch Jerusalem over the weekend. Um, that plays today too, or you can get it online at thetrumpet.com or uh, the Watch Jerusalem website or kpcg.fm. And of course, uh, starting another dig over there in the Jerusalem area uh, today, I guess, or it's mm-hmm. in the, within this this time period here. So they're they're over there working. We're just relaxing on the radio, and they're uh, neck deep <laughs> in uh, dirt. So, but they have, but they have the fun. They have got a pretty fun job. They, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty exciting to think about. Um, one of them who has been on a past dig was giving a speech recently and said just how like the dust is everywhere and like you'll be coughing it up for months. But that's probably the only uh, bad side effect of that. <laughs> got to get a little dirty if yes. you're going to dig in the dirt. But that's uh, part of it. You got to be careful too. It's from what I understand of it, you got to got to go carefully. You can't just come in with the backhoe, start <laughs> start smashing things. That Which you can is, lose a lot of history. That's actually what um, Jordan did when they controlled the Temple Mount years ago they just went in with a backhoe uh i think with with some of the archaeological finds they just started excavating with a backhoe because they didn't want the stuff to be found yeah that's right there's a lot of great history there and they're finding it there so there'll be a lot more about that i'm sure yeah, on the trump daily radio show and of course watch jerusalem and, and lots of updates there too you're listening to trump radio live here on 101.3 kpcg and uh, online at kpcg.fm and again, if you'd like to uh, email us anything, send us to uh, comments at kpcg.fm. The Wall Street Journal recently asked this question. What is the perfect age? If, if a person could freeze their, their aging, what would the perfect age be? Any guesses? 18. <laughs> <laughs> some people, for some people. It, it kind of depends on, I guess, the, how their lives went or where they went in life. But there are some interesting numbers. Um, they say if people could live forever in, in good health, at a particular age, it would be 50, according to a 2013 Harris poll. Gender and geography play a role. In the poll, men said the perfect age is 47, and women said 53. Hmm. Yeah, so you got a ways, Grant. In the Midwest... <laughs> you the, too. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. In the Midwest, the perfect age is 50, and in the East, it's 53, in the West, 47. So it's all around that, that, uh, that area there. But... People at 65 to 74, those are the so-called time affluent because they don't have as many responsibilities. They reported to have the most fun. (laughs) They're having a good time, uh, according to a 2016 study. And uh, so people love to uh, uh, 
have uh well people have the different ages that they think are the best where they really love life the most uh by the way the ones having the least amount of fun are those in the ages of 35 to 54 <laughs> so i guess that's because <laughs> probably because you're working you got kids and that type of thing but but it is interesting people at different uh ages that they liked 50 being kind of the, the main one but the one thing they all agreed upon is they had to be in good health no matter what age they were a lot of them had good time and they enjoyed it but they had to be in good health if you're not feeling good no age is a good age yeah and that's different for everyone when people feel they're at their peak physically uh it can be different just i mean generally our really young years are when we feel pretty good but uh depending on different choices we make that might not last as long and uh if if you do make good choices some of the most impressive people i've seen uh, just in terms of their physical health, they are usually around 50. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people said 50 was kind of a, a good age for them because they were the kids were grown in a lot of cases or mainly and out of the out of the house, but they hadn't they still felt pretty good. And so so health is a big issue, and uh, we want to talk about health today so we can enjoy our years <laughs> the best of our of our ability. And of course, just physical life, and there's more beyond that. But still, you want to you want to uh, have a good physical life. And so this is a write-up from uh, the PCOG.org website. There's a lot of great Christian living uh, articles there, including a new one by you, Grant, about the Buffalo Bills. You oh, always yes. find a way to bring bring uh, to. your your heroes into these uh, write-ups. <laughs> it makes it a lot more enjoyable if you actually like the team, but that's pretty much uh, the Bills Super Bowl. A wild-card playoff win from 25 years ago is our Super Bowl. And he ties it into some, some relevant uh, biblical uh, information as well. So you, you can check that out. But uh, for today, we're talking about this other write-up, uh, Two Keys to Healthful Eating. Uh, what we put into our mouths and choose not to put into our mouths have a lot to do with our health. Of course, exercise is important. Sleep is important. All of those things. But, you know, if you think of yourself as maybe a car and if you're you're not supposed to have diesel, don't put diesel in. <laughs> if you're not supposed to, if we're not supposed to eat some things, we shouldn't put them in because just like the car breaks down, so do we. That's a really helpful analogy. I'm not really sure I've thought of it that way before, but hopefully, hopefully that can help some of us make some better decisions. Uh, some, that's true. Some foods aren't actually food, or too much of them just makes the the engine, so to speak, break down and. And if we think of it that way, like these things are not compatible with my system running at an ideal rate, uh, that probably would help a lot of us to stay away from those things. Right, because when we consume something, unless it does immediately affect us, uh, you know, we don't think too much about it. But when you do stop and think about, okay, th- my body's going to have to filter out the poison in this, it's going to have to do all of these things, it, it does change it. It says in selecting foods, there's two basic rules to think about. And, you know, there's a million, million and one diets out there, right? But two main rules to think about. Number one, avoid those foods which have been corrupted or perverted in man-made food factories. So like 98% of what's in the grocery store, <laughs> <laughs> roughly. And uh, number two, maintain a balanced diet containing all the elements the body requires to sustain and build health. And that comes from uh, Herbert W. Armstrong in his booklet, The Principles of Healthful Living. That's where that... Uh, uh, that that uh, sentence comes from, and that it really cuts down the the main thing. Basically, food that would go bad if you didn't consume it within a regular period of time, consume it before it goes bad. <laughs> if you have something that you've purchased uh, that can sit out in the air for years, you may not want that in your system. 
<laughs> there are lots of things kind of like that, but it really does cut it down to those two basic points. Eat things that haven't been, you know, perverted or corrupted and then get foods that put the elements into your body. Your body rebuilds itself all the time. So do you want to be made out of Cheeto dust or <laughs> something better? Yeah, I think a, a basic principle that fits into both of those is just buying like, I guess you could call them the raw materials and then putting them together in a healthful way yourself. Uh, so instead of buying things that are pre-made, uh, make sure that you get the lettuce, the meat, and whatever else, put it together yourself because then you know that it's actually done right. Of course, there are situations where maybe pesticide or, or certain types of fertilizer was used to grow the crops, but uh, there's only so much you can do to control something like that. Right. Yeah. We need uh, a great rule is to eat whole foods the best that you can. Uh, it says that uh, God created us to need food, and he created food to fulfill that need. He designed our bodies to benefit the most from food that is in the form he created it. Man cannot make anything that God made any better. And a lot of times, if you just look at advertising, you would think that man has made it better. You know, we, we finally have made wheat better, or we've made whatever better. Wonder bread. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a wonder. The wonder is what's in it. That's that's where you we wonder want. if it's bread. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of things to wonder about when it comes to that. But uh, And I think most people kind of shy away from that today, but, you know, there was a time when that was kind of the thing, or mm -hmm. the TV dinner. Or, you can look at lots of different uh, time periods, and there are certain foods that people just thought, oh, this is great, this is revolutionary, only, you know, 10 years later to say, wow, everyone's dying, <laughs> we need something different. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how fast we change uh, a lot of our health fads. Uh, it's like every week or so, it, it seems like at least that, well, this thing that used to be really good for us is now bad for us, or things that we thought were really bad for us are actually key to good health. Uh, it's it's difficult to pin down sometimes um, which direction you should be taking it when you keep hearing all these conflicting reports. Yeah, food that's... Uh, uh, well, one, one rule that I think is pretty good, like say if you're at the grocery store and you're actually going to buy something that has more than one ingredient in it, it shouldn't have a lot of ingredients. And the, the longer the ingredient list, usually the problem... Uh, and if you don't know what the words are or can't pronounce them, probably not great. <laughs> and uh, it would, you know, they should they should make a law where you have to name the ingredient what it's going to do to you, because <laughs> that would, would be a very entertaining read and it would also be horrifying too <laughs> to really think about what is this going to do to me if I consume this. Wasn't that something similar to a Subway commercial a while ago where? I guess they were making fun of a, a burger place and, and like I'll I'll get a side of like heartburn. Yes. <laughs> like like they were talking about burgers and fries and that and that stuff, but they were actually naming it what it would cause. I thought it's a pretty effective way to do it. It was. Yeah, the guy everyone would be sitting down in slow motion and their belt buckles exploding and the <laughs> buttons oh, that was a good one. flying yeah. off the shirt too. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that kinda is the reality. It says when you're at the store, remember if it is in a can or a box that came out of a factory, it probably comes with problems. I mean, it probably does. Uh, and you can look, too, and see how high up uh, on the list is sugar or some sort of sugar chemical because that means there's a lot in there. Typically, they put the, the things that are the most uh, prevalent in the product higher on the list, uh, you know, colorings, uh, all kinds of things to make it, why? To make it look good, to make it, tastes good in some cases, depending on your palate, I guess, and to make you want more of it. it there's chemicals in there. There's there's a lot of examples, uh, some books out there, too, of where if you go to, say, some of these food factories where a lot of different products come out of, and you were to eat the ingredients without the 
the different chemicals put in there to make you think you like it, uh, it's it's not palatable. Like you can't eat it. Mm. Yeah, and, and from what I understand too, some of those chemicals were invented. Like you can't find them. You can't find these elements in nature. They were concocted in a laboratory uh, just to enhance food artificially. Uh, that's that's a disturbing way to think of it. But um, you know, if it is sixteen syllables long or like twenty five letters long, those things were invented just for the sole purpose of artificially enhancing food and those are not good to be taking in they say modern food production has created a lot of allergies have you noticed that people have a lot of food allergies these days uh it seems like more than when i was growing up food sensitivities and allergies can can wreak havoc on your system as if you have that you know that uh, you might be suffering from food allergies without realizing it and it uh, can be hurting yourself every time you unknowingly eat an allergen this even extends to basic foods that God created but have been processed by food factories, especially uh, milk, eggs, wheat, soy, peanuts, etc., etc. Milk's not what it used to be, you know. Milk milk, milk isn't milk uh, <laughs> all the time. There's lots of different types of milk that's out there, and, uh, uh, and it's amazing if you look at the way even they process some of it. Uh, they've taken out the things that are good for your body, have other things in there, and so a lot of people's bodies can't process it the right way because they manipulated it. It's not the way it was intended to be taken. And and that goes for a lot of products. Do you have any food allergies? Um, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I don't either. But I but, keep yeah. trying to figure out if that's like a good thing or if maybe I'm not <laughs> noticing some of the things that are more damaging and artificial, but yeah, I've never had that issue. Uh sometimes probably I'm not as mindful as I should be about ingredients like that just because it doesn't affect me physically at least at least right away well like it says i mean it could be that we're just not aware of it you know what i mean like a lot of times we're aware of something when it's it, we have an immediate serious reaction mm -hmm. and you say wow something happened here but for you know for example you can consume a lot of high fructose corn syrup you may not become violently ill but eventually you will because your body just can't handle it after a while and uh, it's that way, too, with a lot of, uh, I think, diseases. Like, a lot of doctors will say, and I, th I think p doctors that are kind of studying into cause uh, of, of diseases, that the body will give you a lot of indicators along the way, but we don't usually notice them until, like, it's that, forgive the phrase, but like that death knell of, <laughs> uh-oh, <laughs> and then then you know, but then it's it's tough to deal with sometimes. So I wonder if that is maybe, like, maybe if they... they that is a form of an allergy. It's not what you'd think of where you go into like a sneezing fit or your your face puffs up, but it it is something where you do receive physical signs that if you knew how to look for them, uh, you could you could tell that you're experiencing some kind of an allergy at least. Yeah, and it, it can get kind of confusing when you're at the store and you're trying to figure out what to get and what not to get, but a basic rule that Mr. Armstrong promoted was this, eat only those natural foods that will spoil and eat them before they do. And for the and the, you know there could still be some issues with that, but for the most part, that's a pretty good rule of thumb. And it says if you keep this rule in mind, you will eat far less refined food and processed food loaded with preservatives, and you'll end up eating a lot more fresh fruits and vegetables and fresh meats and whole grains. So that uh, it is a challenge. There's no doubt, but um, you have to uh, get a little bit of knowledge. But I think that's a great just rule of thumb that we can all remember because we kind of you know what's going to spoil and what's not even if you don't you aren't super educated into it you know that box of whatever sitting in the middle of the grocery store probably is not going to spoil because it's <laughs> been sitting there for a long time
Yeah, I mean, Fruit Loops probably aren't going to spoil, for example. Not a lot of fruit in the old Fruit Loops, to my knowledge. <laughs> probably not, not at all. There's a lot of loops. <laughs> There's not a lot of the fruit. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it's even interesting uh, just looking into how uh, grocery stores are set up. We've heard before how it can be likened to a minefield because certain parts of the store are strategically positioned so that you buy these more unhealthy, more addictive products, and it increases the sales of the store. It, it is difficult to go into a store even when you're on a mission to buy a certain few items and not end up picking up the soda at the checkout register or or you know going past the gigantic rack of candy that's a few steps away from the registers and not and not picking some of that out you really do have to be locked in to avoid that that type of stuff yeah that would be funny if they changed that and got rid of all the candy and stuff there at the checkout and they put like apples <laughs> we want maybe an their apple? sales would go up i mean who, who, who knows? knows maybe at least people would be healthier although that's not that's probably not in a business's interest. Usually, money is the most important thing. Yeah, and you'd have to you'd have to make sure that you restocked it all the time because it would go bad. M and M's, you know, they can sit there for a long time. <laughs> but my kids would stop grabbing things when we go through the checkout. Oh, good job! That would be good. Oh, they don't they don't actually do it. Not yet. No. <laughs> okay. Not not to the level I would like. But uh, <laughs> do, they, you, do you buy it? Uh, occasionally, it's pro- they probably have had a high enough success ratio to where they feel like it's worth the chance. <laughs> Of doing it, so uh, yeah, that uh, it does happen occasionally. Yeah, I buy it if my wife picks it out. I'm like, I'm not gonna make her put it back. <laughs> yeah, they can add a few things real quick to that. Yeah. But uh, uh, well, one thing they've figured out, and probably not intentionally, but they'll have a little money of their own, and it's usually change, like <laughs> loose change. Right. So they'll say, "Well, I have the money. Can I buy this?" I'm like, okay. So they put it up there, and then they're fumbling with the change. I'm like, just forget it. And so I just, I buy it, and then they never. Like, Dad, do you want my, you know, eighty cents and pennies? And I'm like, just keep your money. Sounds I, miserable. I don't want actually. it. <laughs> yeah. So they figured out a way to to not have to pay me for oh, those. That's things. So smart. Yeah. But uh, yeah, lots of lots of problems, like you said, there in the uh, some of those aisles. It's not the not good food for you. So you kind of have to stay around the perimeter, from what I understand. Yeah. Just even from experience, you know that a lot of the vegetables and fruits and the meat, the cheeses, the dairy is around the edges. Yeah, it is. Yep. They say, uh, this write-up says, God's whole foods gives you nutrients, and man-made counterfeits take nutrients from you, which, you know, when you think about it in those terms as well, uh, we're supposed to eat for energy and for, for building blocks of health, and you know, some some of the things might give you a little kick or a boost or fill you on some level, but then the body has to lose valuable nutrients trying to process this stuff and get it out of your system. Uh, eating whole wheat rather than refined flour, whole grain pasta, brown rice rather than white rice, whole fruits and vegetables with the skins, uh, those things are better. They actually build health as opposed to tearing it down. And so uh, there, there is a, I don't know, I, I think there is an obsession even in this country right now with just uh, fitness and that type of thing. Uh, probably with the rise of Instagram. Everybody wants to put their, their pictures up of them flexing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, even that can be very deceptive. I mean, you you could look okay, especially at a younger age, but uh, what what about internally based upon what you're eating? Yeah, a certain amount of working out is going to make you look pretty good, even if all you eat all day long is, is junk food. I mean, it it does take a while for that to set in, especially if you're offsetting it with exercise. But the thing is, if you even slow down for a second with the exercise you'll deteriorate quickly just because of the diet and then even even long term the diet will break you down i mean some of the most 
athletic people you you'll ever see sometimes like their leg their leg will snap in half in it during a game and you find out later that they ate mcdonald's like twice a day and i mean yeah you might have worked out a lot and gotten in great shape but you didn't feel the body the right way and it came back to hurt you right and, and a lot of them are getting smarter to where they're actually paying personal chefs to travel with them and yeah. cook for them because they can't they can't sustain their uh their physical bodies on that uh that type of stuff because uh, they are such high level athletes they notice it quicker Whereas if you're a little more on the average side, maybe you don't notice it as quickly. Right, because, that's true. But uh, it does, junk food takes a toll. Uh, the other point here brought up in this article about uh, healthy eating is proper portion sizes. It says the fact that our clothes are getting tighter couldn't possibly have anything to do with our portion sizes, could it? In the modern world, we have so much food. As a result, overeating is epidemic. And uh, that's true. I mean, the portion sizes. In a lot of cases, the food's not great anyway. But then the portion sizes, I think we've mentioned before, small, medium, and large, like that means something different today than it used to. It is amazing. The large, it, if it's a beverage or something like that, it, it literally, like you need you need a new vehicle with bigger cup holders. Like you almost need a pickup to put it in the back. <laughs> it's like 65 ounces or something sometimes. Yeah. Like how, how do you ever drink that in one sitting? Is this not something that you would have to nurse for the next two weeks to ever finish it. I mean, the drinks are gigantic. Uh, the the portions here are bigger than anywhere in the world. If if you ever talk to someone who maybe travels here from Europe or somewhere like that, I mean, our portions are literally double uh, what theirs are, and it's just something we've become accustomed to. Um, especially especially when we expect to get a good deal when we buy something, you expect to get your money's worth on a huge portion, even if that's not, uh, I guess, the best thing for you. Yeah, we occasionally we've stopped. Uh, you get like a an ice cream or something, you know, one of these. Uh, I don't want to name the restaurant, but one of these ice creams. So uh, in a container, and they change their sizes to where it used to be. I think small, medium, large, maybe extra large. I don't know. <laughs> and and then they they made a mini, and the mini is actually the one that's uh, is preferable. I think it's like twelve ounces. Wow. That's the mini. That's a lot of ice cream. Yeah. And then the, so uh, if we go, which isn't too often, but it's the mini is what we have to do. I mean, I would just uh, um, get physically sick, I think, eating the other ones. Now, granted, you can build up your endurance, but (laughs) (laughs) probably shouldn't. But it's just the size. I mean, it's amazing. And when I was growing up, that mini would have probably, I don't know if it would have been a large, but it would have been like a normal size. And now it's the mini. So, you know, I guess we can feel better about it if you eat the mini, but <laughs> it just shows how much big the sizes are nowadays. We have to we have to watch our our, our uh, portion sizes. Yeah, think about the determination it would take to even finish off an extra large of of an ice cream like that. I mean, if we do think about it that way, it does help because otherwise you get this huge portion because it's offered. I mean, if it's offered Obviously, some people must be able to finish it, so why can't we? Uh, some, sometimes that's that's the thinking, but is it really a practical idea to, to eat so much ice cream like you're just binging it watching movies, or is that maybe not a good idea? Uh, funny, that reminds me of this. Uh, they had these funny tweets of like married people and some of the conversations, and this, this uh, guy said to his wife, he's like, are you going to drink all of that? And she looked at him. She said, you didn't marry any quitter. <laughs> You didn't marry no quitter, I think. You didn't marry no quitter. Yeah. So, (laughs) like, wow, there you go. You don't want to be a quitter. (laughs) 
<laughs> but anyway, there's, there's a lot more in this article. We don't have time for it all, but it's two keys to healthful eating. Really important because uh, health is so vital. Eating whole foods and then also watching portions. But there's a lot more information that's really good in there. So make sure you check that out. It's at uh, PCOG.org. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. Make sure you listen for the Key of David program and the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Those are coming your way. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.